Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kendall Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Azure Podcast. This is episode number 485 being recorded on the 9th of February, 2024 with special guest Santosh Somayar Julwa. I am Sujit, and on Teams with me, we have uh, Kale, Russell, and our special guest, Santosh, who we're going to get to in just a minute. But before that, uh, let's catch everybody with the news in the Azure space. I know that uh, we've not had a few, uh, we've skipped a few weeks uh, in terms of episodes recently, so there's a lot of news to catch up on. Uh, Let's see, Uh, who wants to go first? Russell, you want to get us caught up a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so I've got a couple. Uh, first one relates to Azure Database for MySQL. Um, so the, the the version of it that runs in single instance is being deprecated, being retired in uh, September 2024. Um, as a result of that, we've got the flexible server deployment mode for um, Database for MySQL. And what's just gone GA is a tool that allows you to run one command line to do an import from the single instance to the flexible server one. So this makes your life a lot easier. So you can go and look up what that command line is on the on the updates. Um, the other one is around Azure API management. And um, there's a there's a kind of a recognized pattern for, um, for dealing with um, uh, the, the case where you get lots of uh, excessive requests coming through. It's called Circuit Breaker. So anybody that's done kind of API management in the past has probably implemented or read up on one of this, these patterns. Um, and in the past, it was down to you to implement that yourself. Um, but you can now do that by clicking a switch on within API management. So it's now a built-in native capability within API Manager to turn on a Circuit Breaker uh, pattern in there. So that's all, all goodness. And it's all that that part of you know now doing stuff for you and uh, moving you slightly up the stack. Great. Kale, how about how about you? Yeah, just two small ones here, and these are about uh, public previews and GA. So the first one is um, one of our core services that we've talked about a lot in the podcast before, the um, Azure Virtual Network. Um, so this is an announcement of um, general availability of Azure Virtual Network encryption. And what that means is essentially in Azure, obviously in virtual networks, we have things like virtual machines, virtual machine scale sets, and things like that. And if these are in the same uh, virtual network, uh, regionally or globally peered, um, this is a feature that allows you to basically um, encrypt, you know, uh, things that are in transit there on that on that network. Um, this is available in a select amount of regions, um, but it is GA. Uh, typically, is a you know, usually uh, in almost every region, but this one basically is available in certain regions, but it is considered GA at this point. Uh, the second one is uh, a public preview of Express Route, also a networking thing. Um, so on the Express Route side, anyone who set that up before knows that's not for the faint at heart. It's not something you do on a Friday afternoon just for kicks. And, uh, you know, it takes a bit of setup, right, and, and planning and things like that. 
And so what the team's done is created a guided portal experience uh, that helps you configure things like your multi-site uh, express route circuits and connections and things like that. So this experience uh, is now in preview and allows you to do some of these more complex express route setups um, much more easily. So um, we'll put the links in the show notes for that. That's all I got. Great, thanks. And uh, I want to just uh, again call out that VNet encryption story that you just talked about. I think that's a big one uh, for uh, many customers, especially in high, highly regulated uh, industries. Like uh, I do a lot of work in financial services, and uh, today what they are doing is they're using IPsec to to kind of uh, encrypt traffic between uh, two uh, VMs. And that has its own set of problems. You know, IPsec uses UDP, and then there's all sorts of kind of uh, issues with that uh, protocol. Uh, so now that we've got the VNet encryption in place, uh, they don't have to use uh, you know IPsec to use normal TCP traffic, uh, knowing that everything's encrypted and makes uh, monitoring, uh, failover, troubleshooting, etc., a lot easier. So certainly looking forward to that. I had a few updates I want to cover. Uh, one is uh, on the new topology view that's available in Azure. So you know we. Uh, Especially for a large customer, you've got like you know a gazillion VNets uh, across uh, many subscriptions and regions, and you want to make sure that you know you've got your eyes on all of them. Create a kind of a view where you can see all the um, all the VNets out there, uh, so that if in case you need to troubleshoot some of them, you can drill down specific VNets to look for specific problems, packet capture, uh, you know NSG issues, things like that. So this new topology view is something that is uh, is now generally available. I gave that uh, another, it looks really nice. Yeah, isn't it right? Yeah, uh, even even with my small uh, setup that I have on my portal, it's 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 kind of useful. Uh, the other thing that we've uh, come up with is uh, app services. If you run containers and app services, and that's the the common trend today to reuse containerized um, workloads there. You know that the containers, uh, everything is ephemeral, right? The, the the storage is ephemeral. So the container comes up, it creates some temporary storage. You do your work once. The, container goes away, the storage goes away. But many of our uh, um, uh, customers want to use uh, persistent volume mounts inside of those containers. So they want those containers to to store something or get information, like for example, their static content for the web, et cetera. You know, they want to get them from, from uh, persistent mounts. And so now you can do that. You can use an Azure Files uh, service, right? And then expose that as an NFS endpoint in in a container so when the container comes up it immediately has your all of your uh, your artifacts from your uh, from your own storage account and on top of that you can also use it to for example to write logs so you can persist those logs in your storage account so there's a lot of uh, kind of advantages to that approach so that's something uh, certainly worth looking into uh, then another one is with our ai and ml service uh, azure ml I know these days OpenAI gets a lot of uh, uh, kind of uh, tension, but let's not forget there's the traditional AI ML, uh, which is also equally important and useful. And, and normally what happens is, you know, you kind of build this model, you train it, you tweak it, and you publish it out there and you get it running in production. But it's also equally important to monitor that the model is working well when it's deployed to production, right? It it, it might have been uh, it might have been working well with your test data, but it may not work well, you know, over time with your production data because things change over production, users change, you know, things get skewed. The model may not be giving you the right results that you expect. So now that's sort of generally available in AML, Azure ML is this continuous model monitoring is what they call it. And then this new service in Azure, which I'm surprised, uh, you know, we haven't uh, talked about before. I think this came out in January, end of January, actually. So just recently, it's called the Azure API Center, 
which is really, I mean, I I don't know how we uh, how we how customers are working without this feature because you know if you've got a large Azure infrastructure, you've got like you know hundreds of uh, AKS and app services and whatnot, and all these APIs floating all over your uh, your um, your Azure subscriptions without any way of keeping a track of you know what are the what is my uh, uh, you know my collection of APIs right what is my, where can where can use if I need to find an API where do I go right how do I find where that endpoint is and so this Azure API Center lets you kind of gives you like a unified view of all the APIs that you have in your system you can import existing APIs or you know as your uh, if you need to change the metadata on API you can do that it's kind of like your Uber API portal and it creates a you know a custom portal for you is generated uh, on demand and uh, with all of your APIs listed so users can go in and uh, access them or at least find out what the endpoints are, try them out. It's all, uh, you know, try it into RBAC so users are only, only can only see the APIs that they can actually uh, uh, view. Have you, have you given that a go, Sujit? I mean, I, I've got a bad memory, but I did. we did talk about this a while ago when it yes. was announced, I think, before yeah. Christmas sometime. But have you, have you tried it out yet at all? No, it just came out. Like I said, it was just you know, it was just like uh, a week or a week and a half ago. So I have to give it a go. Uh, but definitely, yeah. from the docs, it sounds like a real cool thing. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, like you, I don't understand how people get by with all the SDKs, APIs all over their estate. Some on prem, some in different clouds and all sorts. And um, yeah, tracking all that stuff must be a nightmare. Well, I know it's a nightmare. So is, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing this getting rolled out. It's, uh, it should pull stuff together really nicely. And then uh, another update was with durable functions uh, uh, in our, um, you know, if you use durable functions in app services. So functions, oh, in, sorry, in Azure functions. Uh, yeah, so the functions uh, need a storage, a backend storage to kind of coordinate, you know, which function gets the next request, sort of like a queuing mechanism. And in the past, they use a uh, very traditional blob uh, lease uh, ability, right? You lease a blob to kind of control who's, uh, who's accessing the next uh, uh, part of the function, especially when it comes to uh, partitioning of of, uh, of the storage, and and that uh, feature, while it has been used for a very long time, it works really well. It it usually causes an excess amount of usage on Azure storage, right? So your Azure storage costs actually go up when you use that feature. Uh, so they switched to using Azure Tables now to kind of do some of that partition access management. And now they've found out when they did that, they kind of the cost went down by about 83% the storage costs. You know, so uh, it gets less. Uh, otherwise, it's always pulling that that endpoint, that those blobs to try and see who's, you know, who's kind of the next person that uh, worker should be getting the request. And now with the Azure Tables approach, it's a little bit uh, nuanced. You don't have to do it that that frequently. So that's something to look for if you're using Azure uh, functions, durable functions with the uh, storage backend. Uh, yep, I think that's it. I'm sorry, I kind of had to cover a lot there, but. Uh, I think this is uh, a good time to uh, turn the mic over to our special guest, Santosh. Santosh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the the whole topic of uh, co-pilots nowadays is like everybody talks about it. And, uh, it, you know, of course, I'm, 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 I'm happy to to kind of uh, learn that even Azure has something to offer in this space. So but, but before we do that, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, tell the listeners. Uh, what your role is in Microsoft and what your passion is, and then we'll kind of take it from there. <laughs> Thank you, Sujit, for having me. Um, I'm Santosh, uh, Principal Program Manager for Azure Copilot, and uh, I own uh, multiple areas in this space, you know, uh, from the Azure portal side, uh, on the onboarding of uh, different services, uh, onboarding of uh, all the services to the Copilot, um, 
I own the security space, uh, privacy, compliance. You know, these are some of the fundamentals that we take care of in every feature, every aspect that we release. So uh, apart from that, I, I own a few more areas like supportability and uh, other things. So uh, I work with customers uh, a lot uh, to understand their feedback and then see how we can improve our products. Um, but um, yeah, so recently we released the Azure Copilot. Um, so we announced this during Ignite. and um, this is available in limited public pre preview <clears throat> at this point. And um, um, we are trying to take uh, inbound requests through an office forms uh, that's all, uh, out there published. And we are accepting requests on a daily basis. And you know, uh, the excitement is overwhelming at this point. And you know, we have a lot of uh, signups and we are, we are having, um, you know, people work on this almost every day for several hours to process the requests and then keep enabling customers to allow list them and then you know uh, add them to the copilot right so there are enterprises there are individual users there are mvps and multiple segments of uh, customers who are interested in this so we are trying to you know keep up with the demand uh, keep up with the interest and then also make sure you know we have uh, some research ses sessions with all these customers to uh, understand how they are using it, how we can improve it. I know uh, our research team does all these uh, customer feedback sessions. They work with them, get uh, schedule interviews, gather feedback, and a lot of stuff. Yeah, so I'm kind of I'm going to ask you a very simple question because the word copilot these days, uh, you know, is used for everything. I think there'll be a copilot for my bathroom one day as well. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I'm just maybe you can just help us help our listeners understand, you know, what does it mean when you say a copilot for Azure, right? Uh, I guess what is a, what are some of the key use cases that you're hoping to unlock by offering a copilot on Azure? Absolutely. Um, today, when you log into Azure portal, you know, Azure portal is the space uh, through which you manage all your Azure services, you know, whether it is uh, user management or uh, RBAC management or, uh, you know, uh, app services, virtual machines, storage accounts, everything, you know, uh, probably if you need a management space, you know, the Azure portal is the uh, venue. And then, you know, user has to log into the Azure portal based on the RBAC permissions. It let you uh, into the different uh, spaces and then, you know, uh, you'll be able to manage those resource resources or uh, users and all that stuff, right? So, um, what we are trying to do is, you know, um, we understood when users have to do a particular task, probably they'll have to go through multiple screens to achieve the task and then, you know, uh, finally get that uh, VM deployed or storage account uh, created or things like that. You know, you have to give a lot of configuration and, uh, you know, um, there, there are multiple steps that are involved. Probably it will take a user anywhere between uh, two to three minutes to uh, fulfill all that information and then you know get that account created. So through Copilot, what we're trying to do is, you know, we are offering a way of um, having this done through a natural language query. And users can simply ask, can, can I create a VM? You know, can you create a VM in this resource group? Or uh, can you stop my VM? You know, these are some of the basic things or most highly usage, uh, used things in Azure. And, uh, you know, based on, um, you know, our uh, telemetry, it says that these are some of the highly used operations, right? So we said, uh, why not we, uh, you know, uh, automate them? Why not we have uh, have this surface through the copilot? And, Issuing a, sing, a simple command in Azure Copilot today will probably let you do that task. And 
we we just started and in november when we introduced this we released with a set of 10 to 12 services across azure i mean we have uh, a ton of services you know 100 in hundreds uh, and then uh, we said okay let's start with uh, 10 or 12 high used uh, services to see uh, what customers think and then know how they uh, use it and customers have all uh, you know um, always come back to say that hey uh, we found this uh, very useful and then you no know, uh, thank you for doing this we are looking for more services now right so you know this is the kind of excitement that we have and the task that is given to the copilot is actually translating that to the same job that a user would do in azure portal and it will use the users RBAC permissions. So, you know, security is uh, built into the system ground up. And, you know, th there are some of the fundamental things like security, compliance, privacy, and then accessibility. You know, these are some of the core things that we take care in our products ground up, right? Every feature that is going out there has to go through these things before, you know, uh, it can be available for any external customers to use, right? So external or internal for that matter. Um, so what we do is, you know, uh, we try to collect all these uh, feedback that we are getting. And also from our telemetry, we see what are those highest used operations and let's try to automate them. And then, you know, what are those high, uh, high, highly used services? You know, let's try to onboard them. Portal Azure Copilot, what it provides for all the ecosystem across Microsoft is to build those skill sets, build those skills into the Copilot to, you know, uh, surface them to the customers. Yeah, Santosh, one, maybe you can expand a little bit. Like my experience using the the Copilot for Azure has been pretty awesome, but like even in scenarios where like not doing direct actions, and what I mean by that, like creating something new, like creating a resource. Like I sometimes I have queries like, um, like how how many of this type of service are running in any of my subscriptions if I have tons of subscriptions, and maybe you can expand a little bit because what I saw from Copilot was like it would tell me the answer and then it would tell me how it got the answer like here's the query I ran to get that if you want that in the future I found that particularly helpful but does that happen with like a lot of things in that Copilot because that was pretty cool like how it gives me that uh, absolutely so you know, you know uh, when we started this uh, the core service that we use uh, behind Azure is, you know, uh, everyone is aware that ARM, Azure Resource Manager and Azure Resource Graph, these are the, you know, main services that uh, help in all these queries, right? So we said, you know, uh, let's work with the uh, Azure Resource Graph team to say that, you know, whenever a user uh, issues a query or, you know, ask a uh, question in natural language that, hey, give me all the list of resources in East US or West US or uh, North Europe. We will try to generate, you know, uh, a query that is suitable for the user to get exactly what, you know, uh, that does. And users don't have to write any uh, queries. You know, they simply have uh, have to ask an uh, ask a question. And then the R team, you know, does an awesome job of generating that query. And then, you know, not only generating the query, but also, you know, running the results and showing the results to the user. And on the portal side, uh, you know, we also do something like, you know, if you ask, hey. Um, what are my VMs in the uh, East US? Either you know there is a way that uh, we can let the Copilot choose to generate an R query for the user. You know th there are multiple uh, users like you know uh, some some are uh, uh, super uh, tech savvy and then you know uh, they want to have everything run through queries and someone wants to use a uh, management uh, interface, right? So we have both ways. Uh, we we provide an explorer uh, right then and there, saying that hey, these are the list of VMs. Which one do you want? Or you know, say a user uh, issues a uh, 
simple uh, command saying that, hey, stop my VM. Which VM? You know, uh, it'll give you a, a list of VMs and say that, hey, this, these are the list of VMs that you have access to. You know, which uh, select the VM that you want to stop. Right. So these are some of the things that we are doing, and it's not just uh, Arg or ARM. You know, I think um, we are trying to work with many partners uh, across the ecosystem behind Azure. You know, uh, whether it be AD or you know uh, security or anything. You know, we sh should be able to you know pull up. In uh, all the instances, all the resources behind those services to say, you know, what is the action that you want to take on this, right? Yes, Santosh, you know, when it comes to creating resources, right? I mean, obviously, creating, a, let's say, something like a SQL server or a virtual machine, uh, you know, you can imagine those are some of the most more complex sort of creation flows, right? The, because those, the portal experience has so many tabs and wizards you have to go through to, yep. to kind of create a VM. How does the copilot uh, or does the copilot make assumptions about defaults, right? So if I just say, you know, hey, create a VM, uh, a Linux VM, Ubuntu with in the East region or something. And I haven't tried this. I'm asking, you know, how does it figure out defaults or does it figure out defaults or does it ask the user to, to confirm the defaults? Like what is the experience uh, that you're going for? So there are uh, two options here. You know, when we ask the copilot to create a virtual machine, uh, either uh, the CLI handler, which actually does generate the queries for you know uh, creating these VMs, it'll generate a set of queries uh, that hey, click run, 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 and then you know you should be able to create. Do you want to change the uh, VM name or something? You know, it'll it'll have some default, but you know, do you want to change the name? Or there'll be a placeholder which says that you know you have to update the VM name here, and then it'll t take that. And the other option is um, the create flows that we have in Azure Portal. You know, they are also enabled with uh, some capability like nudge where you know if, if the user needs to enter a vm name in a field you know it the copilot will offer the capability for the user to actually enter and then continue with the copilot operations right so uh, that's the approach that we have taken in this space users are free to choose which one you know uh, they like and then you know uh, complete their task so many questions now santosh <laughs> please go ahead <laughs> so uh like I, I'm so a couple of questions. The one you just talked about just raised a question in my mind. So like if I'm creating uh, a bunch of VMs, right? Let's say or a bunch of storage accounts or something like that. Typically, I have a naming scheme for those kind of things. Is it intelligent enough to know like whenever it asks me for a name to start saying, oh, he always names them with CT in the front of it or something like that? Does it go that far or is it like no, no, I just I just need these variables, so give them to me whenever you give them. I just wondered how deep that goes. Yeah. No, I think uh, you know we we take the values based on uh, what the user uh, provides, and then you know these are some of the capabilities that we are uh, we currently have, and also you know uh, we are trying to enhance those capabilities to see. But it totally depends on you know uh, what we should do and what we should not do, right? You know, so I think uh, these are the choices that we want to give users uh, ability through some settings or uh, things like that, so that it can remember their preferences. You know, this is how I uh, create VMs. You know, these are some of the things that we are. Uh, planning to see what can what can we offer users you know how much control can we offer users through copilot you know uh, in saying you know uh, these are the set of actions that i do please remember these preference you know these are some of the considerations that we have but at this point i think you know uh, what we have is um, um, i would say in the early stages um, Maybe uh, you know in near future we'll be able to come up with more options for users to customize these options. 
Sure. And and then one other follow up question was around you mentioned like this works for like using ARM and a lot of things in Azure. Uh, one subject we talk about in the news quite a bit here on the podcast is around like cost management. Right. And um, I was wondering how much the copilot works with like that kind of stuff to say like, hey, how much am I spending in the East region last month on VMs? Like it does it go that far or is that is that too deep? Like that's in like data plane territory type stuff. No, uh, excellent question. No, I think uh, Copilot uh, for cost management or you know the cost management skill within the Copilot is something, you know, uh, that was one of the first skills that was uh, developed. And uh, uh, when we worked with the cost management team, you know, they were like, uh, you know, these are some of the uh, high usage things. Every every customer, you know, we, what we look at is, you know, what what are those, uh, you know high usage scenarios that uh, customer, you know, what is my cost for this resource? What are my highest use resources? Or what are, uh, what is the cost for, what is, uh, what is that one VM uh, taking up most of my cost? You know, these are some of the scenarios that they have uh, seen over and over and said, you know, do we have to let the customers go through, you know, multiple screens to do this? Or, you know, do we provide an easy way? So, you know, there are, a lot of improvements in that space and cost management does support a lot of scenarios. We have documented you know, many of these scenarios uh, in our uh, Copilot for Azure documentation or capabilities, right? So uh, I'll share the link after this one uh, in the chat. Uh, you should be able to share with the users. Um, so the, it's definite cost management is one of uh, our um, um, most used uh, uh, today uh, in the Copilot space. And there are a lot of, I mean, when it comes to Azure customers, you know, there are administrators, there are, uh, you know, uh, finance and uh, business uh, planning uh, units, and everyone uses uh, Copilot for Azure. And what skill they use, you know, totally depends on the area that they are interested in. Am I, am I a finance uh, guy, you know, uh, trying to look at uh, how much money I'm spending on these VMs or resources, you know, that kind of stuff. So we did offer, you know, for each of these segments to uh, take advantage uh, through the Copilot. Uh, it's it's really impressive. I was just looking at, at trying a few things and seeing what it what it was doing, and and that that kind of going back to well, I'm, I'm really curious actually as to the scope of what it understands and what it can do for you. And those, if I'm talking about creating a VM, creating an app service, you get this kind of curated experience, or at least it feels like it. Are, yep. you, are you having to build that and design a kind of a whitelist approach to? Here's a scenario that we want to cover with Copilot. Therefore, we're gonna we're gonna build it in such a way that we know what the UI is gonna look like and how it's gonna behave. Or have you have you approached it as a more generic thing and said, well, ARM knows how to do stuff. We know how the Azure CLI looks. We know what parameters and stuff there is. Let's give it the context of this this person's subscription or their resource groups or what they've got access to. And and that's a follow up question actually as well. Have, have we got access or has the Copilot got access to my my billing? plan as well. So does it know what costs are associated with my particular subscription? So if I'm running in one region, does it know that that's different cost to another <clears> one and what my discount is? And sorry, there's a whole load of stuff there, but I'm just, the first bit, I guess, is around scope. And, and are you having to, if a new service comes out, for example, do you have to onboard that service to Copilot and tell it what that service looks like and what the scenarios look like? And the second one is, how much does it know about my stuff? Great question. Um, so every service that is onboarding to Azure uh, today or Azure Copilot today uh, will have to, 
you know, adhere to some uh, practices and, you know, common experiences because we want to have consistency in the uh, user experiences. And the way things are run in the back end, you know, whether the uh, request is going to ARM or, you know, a security, uh, uh, you know, uh, domain or uh, AD domain or, you know, intra domain, you know, uh, what, what would happen is, you know, uh, the operations that happen in Azure portal today are exactly the same, you know, operations that happen uh, even through the Copilot system. But Copilot is able to generate all the um, operations that happen on the UX side of the things and then, you know, translate them into the same queries that would run in the backend, right? That way, when you look at the uh, telemetry or logs in the backend, you will you will not see a difference uh, from a Copilot generated uh, request to the user uh, generated request through the portal, right? So it, it, it is consistent uh, in every way. And that way, anyone who is working on the back end will be able to say, hey, what happened? Uh, Copilot says that I could not create this VM in this region, or I could not uh, generate this log, some RBAC permissions. That is the point at which you know uh, one can go into the back end and see you know what really happened. It, did the copilot uh, made a mistake? Uh, you know uh, it could not have. You know then uh, if if the user goes through the normal Azure portal, they would probably uh, get into the same issue or uh, situation. You know uh, that you you would probably get in uh, from the copilot space as well, right? So um, and. Every operation, whether it is in the resource management space or the billing management, you know, everything goes through the RBAC permissions. So if a user who's creating a VM uh, does not have access to their billing space, you know, uh, to see the costs or budgets and all, all those things, the use uh, Copilot will also not be able to uh, pull that information. Copilot will not uh, be able to do anything beyond the scope of what the user can actually do in Azure portal, right? So that is the security, um, you know, um, restrictions that we have implemented and that security is so tight that you cannot do what uh, you cannot do in uh, Azure portal. I, I did notice the really nice thing when I asked it to create a VM, it gave me that kind of click here if you want to do this. Yep. After that, I said, actually, tell me how to create a VM. It then gave mm -hmm. me the AZ command lines and a little button to press to run it. Yep. which then fired up a, a, a cloud shell for me, logged me in, created a temporary storage and ran the command in there, which, yeah, it's just, that's that's great. I love that. Thank you. Sorry, Sujit. Yeah, no, I was just uh, kind of related to your question, Russell. You know, I'm uh, so I'm a software engineer. We, you know, we built a lot of uh, uh, open AI solutions, including co-pilots for financial services customers and whatnot. So I'm a little bit curious, uh, you know, when you implement something that is using open AI and, is it something about the implementation? So if it's not something you wish to talk about, it's 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 fair. But I'm just curious if you had to, uh, uh, like you know, how do you how do you teach uh, OpenAI about the context of Azure lingo, right? There's a lot of special lingo that um, that users will probably use in this space, right? Things like you know, create an express route or something like you know, I you know, and uh, that has certain context when it comes to to Azure, right? I mean, uh, uh, so. Was there a ton of work that you had to do up front to, to to kind of train or to create some sort of special prompting or training for this model here uh, for the for use OpenAI or uh, was it re relatively easy? I suppose that's the kind of question I had. Sure, I mean I can share some details on that, uh, not not a whole lot, but you know uh, I think that should really help here. 
we built our own orchestrator, uh, you know, to, to take care of uh, all the scenarios that Azure supports. And, you know, we, we as the service owners of Azure Portal and Azure Copilot, we know uh, how many services are registered and, you know, what are the various experiences that we have, right? So we built the Copilot orchestrator in such a way that, you know, it knows uh, about all these services and, you know, uh, all the information that it has to gather. You know, today when you log into Azure Portal, um, you'll see that, you know, you'll have uh, a lot of access, uh, a lot of services in marketplace or, you know, yeah, other uh, places where you have to go and then, you know, see what are the resources that are available. But the underlying thing is, Everything is going to ARM or uh, AD to fetch the information and say that, you know, these are the things that you have available, this is your scope, and things like that. So we built our system in such a way that, you know, it actually uses the existing infrastructure to understand what is the data. You know, data and uh, the functionality is totally separate in this case. You know, functionality will actually use, you know, uh, its intelligence to uh, fetch what data, you know, is the user interested in, right? So, you know, uh, we built the system uh, in an intelligent way to understand, you know, the different services that are available, what is the scope that, you know, we need to uh, fetch the data from. So it, it's, uh, it, I, in a way, I would say it's a complex system, you know, uh, but we have tried to simplify that uh, to best suit, you know, the ecosystem and then enable all the partners across Azure, you know, to build their experiences easily uh, through the Copilot. Uh, that's great, yeah. And just kind of, uh, if you think about third-party uh, vendors in the marketplace, for example, ISVs, uh, is the plan eventually to also uh, sort of enable them, make it available to them, or is it just first-party that we're talking about here? <clears throat> At this point, you know, uh, we are talking first-party, but um, I, th I think in um, a near term or uh, you know, um, a short term, we, we should be able to. Uh, come up with uh, you know ideas on how we can help the ISV partners and uh, you know uh, customers and let's see how how it goes. It's uh, I, I wouldn't say early. You know it's been almost uh, three, three months since we released the uh, Copilot for Azure. Uh, I want to make sure uh, you know uh, we are making uh, investments in the right areas to ensure you know uh, we are uh, trying to help customers in every way and then uh, make their life easy. I have one request for this service, right? Uh, maybe you're already looking at it. Can I talk to to it and tell it to do things? Can you explain a little further? Yeah, I want to I want to just talk to the like can I have a portal where I can uh, just say uh, I can talk to huh. it. I can say, hey, uh, what are my VMs today? Are there any Azure outages today? You know, that, things like that. That that's an excellent uh, you know question. <laughs> um, I mean, t today I, I the way I try to do it is you know uh, if if you uh, use your uh, um, read aloud or you know uh, those kind I of things, so, you'll yeah. be able to uh, do that. And you know if you use your um, uh, phone's microphone and then uh, try to record right. something and then type in, you know that, that's always possible. But ca can we build that into the system? Uh, as it is, you know, for users to understand, you know, users to speak and then uh, get the response. You know, I think uh, that's too early to say. Uh, th there are, I mean, it's it's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, complex enough uh, not to do. Uh, so, uh, yeah, at this point, I cannot really comment. But you know, that, that's that's future. Uh, we'll yeah, yeah, have sure. to wait yeah. and see. Uh, I, I'm very impressed with what you've done already. <clears throat> I must say, you know, I know. Uh, uh, Kale and Russell have already played around with it. Uh, I need to see if I'm onboarded. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, this has yeah. been amazing to hear uh, how you built this. Uh, 
I mean, uh, every uh, employee at Microsoft uh, should be able to uh, use this. And, you know, uh, we have, we enable uh, Copilot based on tenants. So once a tenant is uh, enabled, uh, every user in the tenant uh, will be able to, you know, use that. Um, I think, you know, uh, we are trying to come up with some granular uh, user level and subscription level. You know, those are some of the things in consideration. You know, uh, at this point, we do not have uh, uh, that kind of granular controller uh, control for the administrators. So once an administrator, I mean, it's it's always the case that you no, know, we ask um, that an administrator or uh, someone from the customer's organization say that you know uh, yes, we want to enable this at tenant level, right? So uh, once uh, that is enabled, every user should be able to access, um, and um, you know we are still accepting requests through the same. Um, avenue like the office forms that we publish in the documentation. So, yeah, that was gonna. Sorry, just to jump in here. That's what I was just gonna ask here for our listeners. We can put it in the show notes, but like uh, that onboarding form or whatever that that office form is, if they're interested in this thing, how they get access to that. And like you said, it's in the doc, so we'll just make sure we get a link to that. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks again. Uh, so much for coming on today, Santosh. Uh, this was uh, very eye-opening at least for me, uh, to hear Thank all you. the work that your team has been doing, uh, you know, and making Copilot available everywhere. So it's, 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 this is like a really good use case for Copilot, I feel, you know, from what you've told me. This is like, this is what Copilot was on OpenAI was meant to do, right? Uh, these kind of solutions. <clears throat> Thank you all so much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, Find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.